My name is Travis. I'm the campus pastor at New Life Wilsonville, and I'm uh, very glad that I get to be with you. It's always a joy for me when I get to uh, join you on Sunday morning like this to worship God together, and that's what we do on Sunday mornings, right, is that we gather uh, together so that we might worship God, and uh, we do that in this place, and when we do that, the church is not simply this location, right? It's not this physical building. It's not some institution. It is uh, the group of people who are gathered together, and uh, we worship God together when we gather like this. And I I love to uh, do that, and I want to uh, talk this morning about worship because I, I hear a lot about worship. You know, we'll talk with people, and people will have all kinds of ideas and opinions about what worship should be and what worship shouldn't be, right? So worship should include hymns and worship should not include praise songs, right? Or worship should include uh, drums and electric guitar or uh, it should not include those things, right? So we have these, these discussions about what worship is. And so let's, let's look this morning at Romans chapter 12, which uh, Kevin was kind enough to read for us just a moment ago, and look at uh, what Paul says Uh, worship is like. Okay, so Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it starts like this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, he, he says, Paul says, I implore you, Therefore, brothers, I, I appeal to you. I'm, I'm reaching out and I'm asking for you to do something. And I'm asking for you to do this, therefore, based on the mercies of God. So before we get to what he's asking us to do, he's imploring us or appealing to us that we should do, let's first look at this. He says that he is asking us or appealing to us, therefore, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. That is, by God's grace toward us. In fact, if we look at the context for Romans chapter 12, we go back to Romans chapter 10, verse 8. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 8. It says, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, he has some kind of an expectation that we all are going to prophesy. And some of you are going, hold on, I I can't predict what's going to happen in five minutes. I'm not a good predictor of things, and that's okay because that's not the kind of prophecy that we're talking about here. The kind of prophecy that we're talking about here is speaking God's words. You're speaking God's words on God's behalf, very often to God's people, but sometimes to others. You're speaking God's words on God's behalf, and we can all do that. We all expect that we are spending time in God's word, his scripture, his Bible. So we are seeing those words of God and then are having opportunity to use those words and speak them into other people's lives. This is one of the things that I treasure about being a part of a life group. That when I'm in the life group with other people, we can speak into one another's lives and we say, this is what I see God saying. We wrestle through God's word together. We look at it together and we talk about it. And we encourage one another. And sometimes I might come to my life group and I go, I'm really struggling with this. And somebody will speak into that and say, this is what God's word says about that. 
Let me help you. Let me encourage you. And we are speaking prophetically in that sense that we are speaking God's words to one another. And the expectation, according to the amount of faith that God has given you, use that gift, that ability for the building up of the body. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. If service in our serving. One of the other ways that we might serve is to do just serving, right? One of the ways that we uh, function as members of the body is to serve. And so you see a need and you help there, right? You, you recognize, oh, hey, here's something that needs to be done and I can do it. And that's what members of a body do, just like members of a family, right? The expectation is that if you see something, then you should help with that thing. I am a parent, and so some of you also are, are parents and have been working on this with your children. You are members of this family. And so, if you see something on the floor, pick it up. If there is laundry that needs to be done, start a load of laundry. If the roll is empty, change it. Right? These are things that we have to train because you're a member of the body. Now, if you were a guest, you could function as a guest. You come in and we will be hospitable and we will serve you and make you feel very comfortable here. But that's not what members do. Right? Members don't come in and go, oh, I love to be served in this place. That's thinking of yourself too highly. The members come in and they participate with the body. And so if you see something that needs to be done, you don't sit and go, wow, I really hope that somebody takes care of that. Boy, it's kind of embarrassing that it looks like that. Somebody should really pick that up. Somebody should really change that role. Right? We, 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 when we see something, I hope that as members of the church, we are quick to serve and we go, oh, hey, that needs to be done. I could do something about that. Because that's what members do. That's what members of the, the body do. That's what members of a family do. I, I can remember uh, when I was growing up, we had big Thanksgiving gatherings and all the extended family would get together and have Thanksgiving together. And because it was a big ordeal, people would all uh, participate in different ways. So different people would bring things and, and the expectation was that you kind of helped out, right? And I can remember that uh, after Thanksgiving dinner, everybody had eaten and it was time to clean up. And so one of the family members decided that the way that they would help is that they would play the piano. And I can remember afterwards some other family members talking about how they did not think that was as helpful as the piano player did. They would rather have them wash dishes or clear the table or wipe the table or sweep or take out the garbage or something, package up the leftovers. One of these things that would be serving and participating. And so I can remember coming back the next year and there was a potted plant on the closed lid of the piano keyboard. Now that is a strange place to put a potted plant. But the message, the point, was get made, and so I'm trying to make that point and to help you so that you might recognize opportunities to serve and you might participate in those as members of the church, right? 
Now, there are formal ways of serving, and there are informal ways of serving in the church. There are formal ways of serving. You could serve at New Life Kids. You could serve at Coffee Cart or Celebrate Recovery or one of the other ministries. You could serve within a life group as a a host or something like that. Or there are informal ways to serve that you recognize needs within the body of other members and you say, ooh, I can help with that. And I want to validate that both of those are valid forms of serving. They are valid forms of ministry and they are important for the body, for the building up of the body and as your spiritual worship. This is the way in which we worship. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God and it brings glory and praise to Him. Now he moves on, verse 3. Sorry, verse 7. The one who teaches in his teaching. Okay, now we've moved off of that uh, first person collective. We're no longer our, but, but his, in his teaching. The one who teaches in his teaching. And so maybe not everybody is going to teach. But there are a variety of contexts in which teaching might take place. You could be uh, upfront teaching, you could be uh, teaching in a life group or a Bible study, uh, celebrate recovery, you could teach at youth group, you could teach at New Life Kids. Some of the, those teachings are, are standing up and, and proclaiming God's word in, in a um, hopefully persuasive way. But other ones are, are a little bit less formal and smaller groups or one-on-one that that using that gift of teaching, the ability of teaching to help encourage people. So, in the teaching, and now uh, I have mentioned New Life Kids might be a really good way to do that, and I've had other people go, "Uh, that's not me, I don't do kids. That's okay. That's okay. Not everybody has to do kids. But one of the other things that I have seen is somebody that says, I don't do kids and I don't do teaching, either of those things. And I said, okay, but we really have a need, so would you mind helping with New Life Kids? And they said, I can't do that. I can't teach. Okay, could you physically be a body in the room? Okay, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. And I put them in there and I check back in in three or six months And they come back to me and they say, I love this. I can never not do this. Kids are amazing. I didn't think I could teach anybody anything, but kids are amazing. They just have all of these questions and I know some of the answers. And we just look at God's word together and we talk about it and what does it mean? And it is so much fun to see them growing and learning. This is amazing. I have to never not do this. I, I just, I have to do this. And so I want to encourage you, there might be opportunities for teaching that you have not previously thought of yourself as a teacher, and yet you might be a teacher at heart. You just haven't had the opportunity to get so excited about it. He moves on from there to say from the one who teaches in his teaching to now the one who exhorts in his exhortation. This encouragement this coming alongside someone and as a, a comforter at times or calling them to something. The, the Greek word here is parakaleo, to, to uh, come alongside to call someone to something, to, to exhort or encourage or support. 
And we want for each of us to be successful in ministry, in service, but we want others to be successful as well, and so we want to encourage them, support them. And one of the ways that we can do that, you might write somebody a a handwritten note. that People don't get handwritten notes very often anymore. And so you might see somebody that is doing something, and you might write them a handwritten note and say, I just want to uh, affirm that your ministry is so helpful. I am so thankful for the work that you are doing in serving here. You could encourage somebody in that way. You could exhort somebody that way. You could come alongside them and say, hey, have you ever thought about participating in New Life Kids? Have you ever thought about participating at Coffee Cart? I bet you would be great at that. You could come alongside somebody and call them to something. Have you ever thought about uh, hosting at Celebrate Recovery? I want to just encourage you. And there are times, too, that those same people that they came to me and they were like, I could never not serve in New Life Kids, that then three years later they're like, I am so tired. Kids are exhausting. And they need somebody to encourage them and go, yeah, but you're doing such a great job. You're doing such a great job. You can do it. You can do it, you can do it, you can do it. We need that kind of encouragement, those kinds of participants, that kind of service in the body of encouraging people in their serving. We need that. We need those who exhort. Those who contribute, the one who contributes in generosity. There are times when what is needed is for people to contribute. And when they do that, to do it generously. And something I have seen in New Life Church that I uh, really appreciate is the generosity of the members of New Life Church. That has historically been a, a, a strength that I have seen that I want to affirm and just say I have recognized it. That people are quick when they see a need that they say I can help with that and they do so generously. And sometimes those things are formal. Sometimes we say, hey, we have this need for this ministry and people sign up and go, oh, I can help with that. And they do so generously. And sometimes it's not formal. They just see other members who have needs and say, I can help with that too. And so I just want to affirm that I have seen that and recognize it and praise God for it and hope that it will continue to be a hallmark of New Life Church to contribute in generosity. That a part of our offering, our bodies and living sacrifices would be in our contributions and that it would be for the glory of God. He moves from there to say, and the one who leads with zeal. So we have the contribution, you do that in generosity, and for those who lead to do so with zeal. Now, let's step back for just a moment and say, what are we talking about when we're talking about leading? Because if your first thought is, I'm going to sit in the chair or I'm going to stand up and say, okay, so you're going to go over there and you're going to go over here and you do this and you do that, that's not leading. That's directing. In some contexts, it might be called managing. But leading is to be the first one in. I recognized a need and I'm the first one in. That's leading. Oh, there's something here that needs to be done. Wouldn't it be great if we had a ministry that did blank? Yeah, it would be great. I'm going to start that ministry. 
I'm going to do that. They're going to jump in. They're going to be the first ones in. And they're going to say, hey, now, come along with me. And other people are going to follow along as they lead. That's what leading and following is, right? I'm the first one in, and others follow along behind me, and they join in and do it with me. And when we do that, the one who leads to do it with zeal, with excitement, I can tell that some of you need um, an illustration about zeal. And so let me give you this illustration about zeal. Think about like 100, 150 kids that are all gathered for some sort of a school program or a library function, okay? So you've got like 100, 150 kids that are all sitting and the magician comes forward and the magician says these magic words, I need a volunteer, And suddenly, several of you are already picturing zeal in your minds, right? Because zeal looks like this. Ooh, pick me, pick me, pick me. And you've got 100, 150 kids, all of them, hands high in the air. Pick me, pick me. Never have you seen hands of five-year-olds and 10-year-olds go so high as this. Arms are popping out of sockets as they are going, pick me, pick me, pick me. And so when he talks about leading here, He's talking about zeal, excitement. I see a need, and I am going to, with excitement and energy, jump in on that. And when people do that, man, others come along. That's the kind of leadership that we need. Now, I, I love to help. I love to help. My wife knows this about me because uh, we've lived together for a long time. And so uh, she'll say sometimes, hey, Travis, are you going to take care of that thing? And I'll go, yep, I'm getting to it. It's on my list. And then she'll come back two weeks later and go, so that thing that we talked about, yep, it's on my list. And then the next week she goes, I'm going to just start the project. And so she goes in and she starts it, and I love to help. And so I come right alongside her and I help her. And pretty soon she's over there doing something else and I'm helping finish the project. We need leaders to start things because there are helpers who are waiting in the wings. There are people who are just waiting for somebody to take the initiative so that they can jump in. And so those of you who have that gift of leadership, who see those opportunities and are ready to take action, we need you to step up and do it so that the helpers can jump in right with you. He finishes with this one. The one who does acts of mercy to do it with cheerfulness. This is, again, that seeing the need. Sometimes this happens within life groups. Sometimes it just happens within the church that we see that need and we say, oh, I have compassion. Some of you have like mercy radars. Somebody walks into the church and you're like, they need something. I don't know what it is, but you just, how are you doing today? Fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not true. What's going on? They're like rooting out the, like, like a pig for a trouble, right? They're, they're rooting around looking for that. There, there's something going on here. I can smell it. What, what, what is it that you need? Why are you discouraged? What kind of help do you need? Some of you have that kind of gift of, of mercy, that kind of gift of compassion, and we, we need that. The people who are watching for the needs of the body and going, oh, that person is hurting right now. They need help. Oh, that person needs something right now. They need help. They need need somebody to to come alongside them. And when you do that, to do it cheerfully. Now, I'm a a dad, and and so I have to at times uh, display mercy and compassion. I don't always do that cheerfully. 
Sometimes I just stand back and I, I go, okay, you need me to be patient and kind and merciful. Okay, here we go. There are other times when I see something that happens and I go, oh, I, I'm, I, I'm happy to help you. And I strive for that second kind, but sometimes it's that first kind. And so let's be disciplined that not only do we recognize the needs for mercy, but that when we do it, we do it cheerfully. This is our act of worship. This is our spiritual act of worship. We are sacrificing our bodies mercifully for somebody else. And it is our act of worship. We are doing it so that we might praise God. Now that ends the list here, but I want to encourage you, this is not an exhaustive list. This is not even the only list in the scriptures about the, the ways that we might serve and participate in the body. There are others in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's another uh, list there where it talks about our spiritual gifts. These are all things that by the Holy Spirit we are empowered to do for our spiritual act of worship. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, it says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Isn't that a beautiful picture? that we are serving for the building up of the body of Christ, each member serving one another humbly, not thinking of themselves more highly than they ought to think, but, but serving together for the building up of the body of Christ until we all reach that unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We are, we are getting to that place and we are doing it together and this is what they, he has given the, the pastors and elders the responsibility to do is the equipping and the training for the saints for the work of ministry. And so some of you are, are going, well, I, I would love to serve. I just don't know where. Your elders and pastors would love to talk with you about where you might serve. Or you might say, I know where I want to serve. I just I don't know how to do it. Your elders and pastors would love to talk with you about how. That's their job. That's their job. Literally, their job is to help you find places to serve and to know how to do it. So don't let either of those things stop you. As a pastor, it is one of my favorite things to have somebody come to me and say, I'd love to serve, I just don't know where. Great! Great, I have plenty of ideas. Or to have somebody come to me and say, I, I would love to, to serve in this area, but I don't know how to do that. Great, let's help get you started. Let's help you get underway so that you'd know what you need to do there. It's one of the things that I delight to do. Why? Because when we serve, it is our spiritual act of worship. It's our spiritual act of worship. We love to gather in this place and sing praises to God, but it's not the only time that we worship God and we, we honor Him and glorify Him. We also do it in all that we do. And so I would like to encourage you to think today, how are you offering your body as a living sacrifice to God? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for your sacrifice. 
that you have sent your Son to die on the cross for our sins and rise again from the dead. And Lord, we pray that as we believe in that and lean on that and depend on that, that the outcomes would glorify and praise you as our lives change, as we participate in gospel community, as we proclaim your good news in mission, and as we find opportunities to serve for your glory. Lord, we pray that those would be some of the results. And we thank you that your love for us is not dependent on what we do, but simply on the gift of Jesus whom you have already offered. And so it is in his name that we pray. Amen.